when we looked at the genealogy of Jesus that Matthew recorded, which we did last week, we found four women with surprising pasts. Today I'd like to look in greater detail at another person who is consistently linked with Jesus, one of the men associated with one of those women. We read some last Sunday of what Gabriel said to Mary. Let's look at a piece of that again. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, Israel, forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end the throne of his father, David. Who is this David? What kingdom did he have that Jesus would reign over forever, in case you missed that? And why David? Why? why? And why does anybody need to reign over anybody else? Do we actually need a king? Is this just a cultural idea that they had? Mostly, of course, what does this tell us about Jesus and our relationship to him. Let's start first with the people who were the culture into which Jesus was born. And they clearly expected a descendant of David to come as king. The angel toward the shepherds, for behold, unto you this day is born. <laughs> Sorry, a little old King Jim there. I must have been around a long time. Whew. For unto you this day is, bo- uh, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They didn't say, Lord, (laughs) what do we need someone to be a Lord, a king, over us for? You know, and why, why would he have to do anything to do with that guy, that long dead King David? What's the point? No, they expected that the Savior, the Christ, would be a king, a king who came from David's line. Matthew shows that same expectation with the very first words of his gospel, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. And listen to these words that we hear during Jesus' ministry. As Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? Later, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Later, two more people entered the story, and behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Clearly, throughout his ministry, people demonstrated that they expected the Messiah to be a king and a king from the line of David. The great entrance into Jerusalem that the prophets foretold was nearly pandemonium, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Clearly, Jesus being a descendant of David the King was a big deal to these people. And Jesus constantly spoke of a kingdom when he began that greatest of all his recorded talks, the Sermon on the Mount. His first words were, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When his disciples asked him, how should we pray? He told them, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. He went on to tell them, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. 
One night that great teacher of the Jews, Nicodemus, came to him and he told him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The people clearly believed a king was coming. Jesus pushed the definition of the kingdom a little further along. Without question, there is something about kings and kingdoms that is vitally important. If a king, and especially the heavenly kingdom, is so important, then we should consider that great prophecy of Jesus' birth that is so often repeated every Christmas, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Government, the throne of David, kingdom forever. If we're going to figure this out and how it all relates to us, we'd better look back a thousand years before that first Christmas and learn something about this King David. David was the king that nobody asked for. (laughs) Nobody except God. Even his own dad didn't consider him. So, think of a great person. Some great, not just famous, an actually great person. Some great person. Now, imagine that that person calls your house and says, I want to have dinner with just you and your kids. Wow, that's pretty exciting, right? You and all your kids get to meet this great person. But you figure one of them doesn't really matter much, so you just leave him at home to watch the house while you're all gone. Uh, that's what Jesse, David's own father, did when this great prophet Samuel asked him to come to a special sacrificial dinner with all his sons. He left David to watch the sheep. And he could have got a friend to do it. Or, or he could have hired somebody. But no, David just didn't seem important enough to bring along for this momentous occasion. But there was something about David that in time brought God to make this promise to him. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Forever. A house. House means descendants. Somebody from his family. There will always be a kingdom with a descendant of yours on the throne. Can you imagine actually hearing that? (laughs) Wow. It's a pretty amazing statement. But what would you say to that? What did David say to that? Well, actually, we know exactly what he said because God has it recorded in Scripture. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. David, securely king of a powerful nation, still possesses humility and recognizes who is really in charge. (laughs) He goes on to say, You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. His kingdom... 
and his descendants' rule over it is promised to be forever. And yet he twice calls himself a servant. He says, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness. He understood that these blessings from God would show all mankind truth about God. (sighs) If only David's heart had never wavered from this great humility. But alas, he did fail with the wife of Uriah. Still, he came back to the sentiment he expressed that day God made those amazing promises to him. And your name will be magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. True humility is knowing who you are and who God is. And thus being willing to turn all the praise over to him. King's got lots of praise. (laughs) David understood that. So, since he did, he once again says, your servant. David had flaws, like all of us mere humans. But there was one thing about him that made him God's choice. It's related to his humility. His understanding of who he is in relation to God. In his first missionary journey, the Apostle Paul spoke these words to a large group of Jews about their ancestors. God raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. David's heart was always trying to point toward God. Even when he sinned, he always repented and strove to turn back to God. Let's say it this way. It was because David sought to be like Christ that he was chosen to be his ancestor. Wait, wait, wait a minute. How can David try to be like Christ when Jesus hasn't even been born? That's a good question. Especially considering the next thing Paul said in that synagogue was, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So how can David try to be like Christ? Another famous prophecy we hear about Christmas answers that, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Wait, wait. How can he come forth if he's been around from ancient days? Bethlehem, David's birthplace, will be the birthplace of another ruler, a descendant of David's, but one who was alive before David before anything else. In fact, the Hebrew phrase from ancient days, it was used to mean one who is eternal. God. Years after he was risen from the dead and ascended to heaven, this same one spoke to John the Apostle, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The root, that from which David grew, his creator, and the descendant, the human being who is the person of the Son, God in human form, Emmanuel, we might say at Christmas. So it is possible for David to try to be like Christ because the Son of God, who became the Christ, was there with him. 
And David could write all those beautiful psalms about him. The Lord is my shepherd. And on and on. So many great ones. Here's your fun fact of the day. Are you ready? In one list of 46 very specific prophecies of Jesus, the bulk of the major prophecies that are found in the 39 Old Testament books, 18 are found in the Psalms. 18 of the 46. Just at 40%. Now catch this. About half the Psalms have an introduction that lists David as the author, right? And yet 13 of these 18 messianic prophecies, over 70% are in Psalms attributed to David. Hmm. I, I think I think there might just be a connection here. I do. Okay. Back to our previously scheduled sermon. There was a time when the sun did become a man. And nine months later, the world experienced the first Christmas. And it's still true. David lived on this earth before Jesus, a thousand years before him. He was a precursor to Christ. He prefigured Christ as king. Just as Moses prefigured Christ as prophet and Melchizedek prefigured him as priest. Jesus is all those things. He explained it to the people of his day by posing this question. How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of the Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? (laughs) That's a tough question for us. Those poor people who didn't yet know that Jesus was God in human form, how would they ever get it? Well, some of them did get it after he rose from the dead. (laughs) So we have an advantage. We do know all this about Jesus and David. But do we understand kingdoms as they did? We're Americans. What do you mean kingdom? (laughs) Now, we know David was king over Israel. The king is the one who led the people. Easy enough who guided them, who judged for them. People followed the king. They wanted a king to follow. They wanted to be in a kingdom here on earth. Hey, everybody else has one. We want one too. But very quickly, those ancient Israelites discovered that what every person who has ever lived under a king would discover, they all failed. I mean, sure, every king is supposed to be a precursor of Christ to represent the divine ruler in this world, to have their hearts inclined toward God. But they all, even David, they all fail. Kingdoms in this world just don't work. I mean, who are we kidding? Even our beautiful government of checks and balances designed to overcome the, these shortcomings in mere humans, even it is deeply flawed. No government on this earth has ever been close to perfect. But Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. What did he mean by that? That the true kingdom is not here at all? Or maybe that its authority comes from God? Just before he was crucified, he stood before the representative of the Roman king to be judged. Are you a king? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. His kingdom is not of this world, neither is it from this world. In other words, no kingdom on this earth is, in the final analysis, the kingdom of God. And yet, 
Jesus is king. <laughs> He's king over everything because he created everything. But there's even more. When John wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ, he said he penned it to the churches and wanted them to remember that all things are to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has freed us from the chains of our sins by dying in our place, making a kingdom, us. And so we are already a part of the kingdom of God. Right now, we live in his kingdom. A kingdom where he will receive glory over and over which he will have dominion forever and ever. It's not of or from this earth, but we live as that kingdom now. Are you confused? <laughs> well, if you're confused, you'll understand the question Jesus' disciples had for him after he rose from the grave. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, they knew all those prophecies about the children of Israel and that one day Israel would be a nation again with a king. And we do believe that Jesus will, in human form, rule the whole world as a king in Jerusalem during the time we call the millennium. But they made the mistake of thinking that was Jesus' final aim. Now, it will be wonderful reigning with Christ during the millennium, but as glorious as it will be, there is something much better. The promise of the eternal kingdom for all who believe. Sitting in a jail, writing his very last letter... Paul knew the only way he was getting out of that prison was in a body bag. Nevertheless, he ended the main body of his letter with this. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul wasn't concerned with an earthly kingdom. He hardly even cared about life on this earth at all. He knew he had an eternal heavenly kingdom into which he was headed. Years earlier, he had given the church in Corinth an encouragement. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There was a time when they could not inherit the kingdom of God. But now they can't. Maybe some who first heard that letter wondered what some do even today. How do I inherit the kingdom of God? I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Death will no longer have a sting when we are in the kingdom. We will have new bodies. Bodies that are immortal and imperishable. Those who have died before the last trumpet don't have bodies now. 
So they will be given new bodies. We who are alive will be changed from what we have now to our new bodies. Bodies that will never experience death. It all boils down to this. The kingdom of David was only an image of the real kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. The bodies we have now are only a sort of an image of the real bodies that God will one day give us. The whole heavens and earth that we love and know so well are only a poor image of the real heaven and the real earth that God will make new for us. You know, when, when will this happen? When does this glorious kingdom come? In a vision, John saw the future, the very end of this universe, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. The kingdom will come to an end when Satan is defeated. The old kingdom, the new one, will come when he's defeated. When he is finally confined to the lake of fire, then the real kingdom of God will start. Then God will make the new heavens and the new earth over which he will rule, and we will rule with him. And when will that happen? I don't have a clue. <laughs> today. could be today. You know, a thousand years. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that every breath we breathe brings us closer to that moment. A moment that John in a vision got to see more than 1,900 years ago. Are you ready? Here's your Christmas present. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and welcome to the new kingdom. Let's pray.